Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly podcast. The podcast that can 100% guarantee you that no matter how many dollary dues are shoved down our pants, we're not fucking leaving. My name is Chris, I am your host, and uh, it was just the two of us tonight. Hello, Phil, how are you doing? Hello, I'm, well, recovering from waking up this morning, opening Twitter and seeing the world kind of collapsing around us. Uh, so yeah, that's been fun. Yes, I feel like that that meme of this is fine. I'm fine with the burning house is almost quite quite uh, relevant in terms of what's going on with the world of football at the moment. But don't worry, dear listener, we will come on to that. But um, we're going to sort of talk league on and and work our way into it first of all. So uh, bear with us in that regard. Um, Jez is uh, is caught up with work this week, so as I say, it's just myself and Phil. So hopefully we can keep you entertained for the next hour or so. Uh, right then, let's um, start in Liga in terms of uh, what's happened at the weekend. Now there's quite a lot going on at the top, which of course we will cover, but uh, we're going to kind of start at the bottom slash middle and work our way upwards. So there was a couple of results which in truth, didn't mean a huge amount. So apologies to these clubs, but we will give them a mention. Uh, Neem one, Strasbourg one being one of those. Repass penalty equalised by Leonard uh, Gilbert had been sent off for Strasbourg. So a decent point for the away side there, which keeps them a distance away from down the bottom. I think they're probably going to be okay. We should mention Dijon's 2-0 win at home to Nice. Uh, Chaffee with a, a brilliant opener for Dijon before Benzia's penalty got them the second after Saliba judged to have handled. And uh, that's uh, Dijon's first win in 13, having lost 12 on the spin. So they avoid a very unwelcome record what would have been an unwelcome record for Ligue 1 defeats in a row. So well done to them. I think we're probably both going to agree, Phil, it doesn't change the fact that they're going down because they're 10 points adrift of uh, Nantes, who will come on to. But nevertheless, a win is a win, as they say. And uh, Jez's Mets uh, managed a 0-0 draw with Ravs. I think main main highlight from this game was uh, Alex Akija, who was sensational, just literally saved everything, including one incredible stop from point blank range after a sort of redirected shot from Bolodia was clipped goalwards and he had to adjust his positioning and turned it wide for a corner. He was fantastic, easily the best keeper in, in the league this weekend. So fair play was, to him. He he was um suspended for the previous match or two, I think, after being yes. sent off. And you can really see the difference. Oh god, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've always thought he's a pretty, pretty handy keeper and he proved it in this uh, particular game for Mets. So a good point for Jez's boys. Uh, and we should also mention the in the sort of fight for Europe, uh, there was, well, probably the, these two games both both kind of coincide with, with the positions here on the table. Lance Brest ended in a one-all draw. Uh, the opener from uh, Kalsak for Brest, equalised by Gal Kakuta, who else, from the penalty spot. Uh, this one did end in a little bit of a fracas, though. Uh, two red cards for uh, the away side. Lance Forte, Fortes was sent off two bookables in the 81st minute. Banza also saw red in the 89th minute, as did his opponent, Jean Lucas, who had earlier... Kind of, I mean, it's been given as a Kozakon goal. He kind of scored almost directly from a corner, but his day didn't end well with that uh, second yellow card. So 10 versus nine in the end and a one-all draw. But a decent point that for Lons away from home in Brest. Arrest their uh, kind of rough run recently with their second draw in a row. And also Ren got a 3-0 win away at Angers. Jeremy Doku returning to the side. 
uh, under Genesi, of course, these days, ran. Uh, he put them in front on the 45th minute. Martin Terrier continued his good form to make it two before Jurassic uh, turned the defence inside out to make it 3-0 in the last minute. So good win that for Wren, who all of a sudden, I say under Genesio, are creeping back into European contention uh, and beating in five, four wins in five. In fact, they're doing pretty well, which um, brings us on to a couple of the games that had some significance. Uh, we'll start with uh, we'll start with my beloved, um, just because this was a very entertaining game. Although oh, I would have this was, rather it hadn't have been. <laughs> this was fabulous. I think all of us, uh, when we were kind of planning, what games are we going to talk about? We're like, oh, yeah, we've got to talk about Marseille, Lorient. Sorry, Chris. Yes, yeah. Unfortunately, so it, it ended in a, a three-two win for San Paoli's men. I think it's four straight home wins for for OM now, which you know cannot be sniffed at. He's certainly done something. And uh, if you'd have said to me that Paul Lerola had been the, the match winner with two goals, I'd have laughed at you. There was a, a sumptuous volley from Dimitri Paya who decided to turn it on. Of course he did in this particular game. And, and a word for Teran Moffi, who another two goals for him, including the opener and at one point he's, a late He's equalizer. really trying hard, isn't he? I mean, he's doing yeah. his best in shall we say, suboptimal circumstances. But, well, my, uh, yeah. my, con- my concern is he's doing so well that he'll probably end up being sold to Newcastle or someone mid-table average in the Premier League next season. So that, that's my only concern. But yeah, he's been he's been brilliant. And I think a player who started his uh, his, his summer move probably behind Gerbich, I would have suggested in the pecking order, um, has sort of bullied his way into that that first team now and is and is playing really, really well and on the verge of a Nigerian call-up, I believe. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he was exceptional, scored two very good goals. But, um, yeah, we, we do have to give some praise to Marseille, who, as I say, they were behind in this game uh, before players' fantastic volley. And, you know, we give him a lot of stick on this pod, and, and rightly so. Well, Sorry, that, but... was, that was a snapshot to, oh. uh, you know, be a dictionary definition, wasn't it? And I think the fact that... OM's first two goals were so close together. I yeah. did worry that Lorient were about to completely shit the bed, but then Moffy got his second to, to bring it back to 2-2, and it really looked like you were going to hold on. I was crossing my fingers and everything, but yeah. a 91st-minute winner from Lerola to, to make it um, 3-2 for OM. And when you look at the, the shots, I mean, the pummeling that Lorient took as well, yeah. uh, I think it was 17 shots to seven, yeah. five on target to five. They were really in the game. And yeah, I did feel, I did feel bad for your lads because, you know, I want you to be happy, Chris, but also because they really deserved it. I yeah. Think, point out of that. So, but Marseille are in sixth. And there's fifth, sixth, seventh is a really interesting place in the table because they're cut off from the top four. They've got a decent gap over Montpellier, who we'll come on to in a minute. But those three are going to be fighting for one or two spots um, in Europe. And because it's the Europa League, possibly Lens and Rennes are actually going to be more concerned about that maybe yeah so we'll we'll wait and see what happens but it, that's a kind of an interesting little mini battle that's going on there as well yeah which has sort of come out of nowhere all of a sudden because like you say Ren and Marseille were really far back and now all of a sudden it has got a bit Constantina at the top and 
as for the game, I think, yeah, I think if you just said to me, based upon the stats, you know, Marseille 1-3-2, I probably wouldn't have had too much of a of a gripe because it was fair on the balance of play, but to lose it that late, having defended so well and, and ridden the luck, that was the, the disappointment for me. And I think the the goal, the winning goal, probably didn't get as much credit as Lerola deserved. It was a really good finish from the angle. He drove it through two Lerola defenders. There were some very good goals this weekend. Yeah, Moffy second as well. That pass from Wissa to put him in was oh, when really, we, really well weighted. If we're going to do Lille Montpellier next, there was annoyingly there was a good one in that as well. <laughs> yes, yes, we we certainly will do that game. Um, I may stick a couple in front of that one, but yeah, we'll certainly come on to that one in a mo. Uh, just a word for Sampaoli as well. The, the one thing I did notice, um, and Marseille weren't the only club to show real character this weekend, as we'll come on to, but that he, he's definitely injected a sense of, of battling quality to Marseille. They don't look like a side who just kind of throw the towel in anymore. There's, there is a, an aggression and a, a determination to succeed. I don't think Marseille would have won that game under Villas-Boas three weeks ago, to be honest, or, or mm-hmm. not that they kept going and, and they, they are starting to show a bit of a, a bit of a backbone and, and a style as well. There is definitely a change in, in, uh, in the press. There's definitely a change in their, in their attitudes on the pitch. And I do still think they're three or four players away from being, um, you know, a serious challenger, but the, I think Sampali is, is getting his message across and he barks at them the whole game. There's no rest. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, credit where where due. As for Lorient, that um, defeat leaves them in seventeenth place on thirty two points, uh, just above Nîmes, who we mentioned uh, earlier on. And I guess in the grand scheme of things, that point for Nîmes probably will be looked at as a missed opportunity now, yep. given they were the home side. Given um, that Strasbourg's form has been poor as well, this was a really good chance for them to pull themselves out of things a bit. So I think they're going to be kicking themselves. That's two points in the last three games and they really need to turn something on. Yeah. Something up to uh, to get themselves out of their current predicament. To get back on the boat, as it were. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the Crocs will be looking for wins up and coming. But uh, the, the first club that, that we should mention down there that sort of links to the title race, and, and that is Nantes, who find themselves... 28 points, um, obviously three behind Lorient in the relegation playoff spot and second bottom. There's definitely been a, an upturn in their sort of attitude and approach under Camboire, but they lost 2-1 to uh, Lyon on Sunday night. Uh, obviously, we'll come on to Lyon in a second, but the the, the goal back um, probably couldn't really miss Palois from a really good Lopez save and the initial shot. Palois turned it in and survived Devarchak to make it 2-1. But ultimately, the two Depay goals won it for Leon. What what do we think of Nantes, though? Because there's been an, there's been a, an upturn in terms of, like I say, their performances with Kumbuaro, but ultimately they're still not getting the results. And that's three straight defeats. And time is a running out, isn't it, if they are to pull themselves out of this? Yeah, they've got five games left their three off uh, the playoff spot. And as you say, there are f- it's fine margins down there because you're not expecting other people to be winning every week. So if they can convert some of that improvement into actual points, obviously that would be a good thing. But I think, as you say, they do look better, but they still aren't that good. 
which is unfortunate. Um, so I think there's a limit with how much you can do with that squad, maybe. Yeah. And I, th you know, we haven't had fans in the stadiums, um, and there are certain teams where you do think it matters more to them than others. And I mean the the you know the Canaries, the the yellow wall. That's a really kind of intimidating place to go a lot of the time. And I do think that maybe Nantes are one of the teams that have suffered maybe more from not having their fans um, in their in their home games. Yeah, Stade de la Bourgeois is, is quite a, an atmospheric old stadium, isn't it? it? It's kind of one of those grounds, like you say, that when it is quote-unquote rocking, it, it does give them that little bit of a, a push over the line, potentially. And speaking of pushes over the line, I think that's where I worry for not. Well, I mean, I don't worry for not because I hope they go down <laughs> if it means Orion stay up. But that aside, the thing that I noticed in this particular game, it's just their inability to finish. Simon and in particular Koulibaly, um, and even Kulamane, who's had a really good season, but Kulibale in particular, or, although he's just come back to fitness, there was a couple of occasions where he seemed to be through on goal and he, and he seemed to sort of almost just slow down and wait for somebody to be closer to him so he could pass the responsibility. And that that's what's going to cost them if they don't score goals, because they could easily have been either 1-0 up or or level twice in this game, I thought. I think and... there's there's a, a degree of... Well, Kumbara coming in has been obviously good for people. There's a bunch of players in that team that lack confidence. I mean, their top scorer is Blas with seven. Yeah. Speaks volumes. Then you've that. got um, Kolomwani and Simon, who are both on five. Yeah. And Loser, who's also on five. You know, they're not, they're not really perfect. not... You know, uh, they don't have that edge that no. I think they're going to need with the um, with the end of the season kind of rapidly approaching and looking who they've got this week. They've they got they are away at Strasbourg. So again, which is a massive game about Strasbourg, but. If you see you're playing them, you're thinking, right, we might get something from this. Because yeah, but equally, if you're in Strasbourg shoes, you think, well, one more win, especially against the club below us, that that will guarantee yeah. us. So there's motivation for both there. Yeah. But uh, as for the opponents in this particular game, Leon, uh, again, spoiler alert, The uh, most of the teams above them had won already by this point, except one, which we'll come on to. But Leon, essentially, as we said last week, they just know they just have to keep winning. It's as simple as that. And yeah. they did win this game. Depay was certainly back to his kind of more sprightly self. I thought his opener was really well taken with the outside of the foot across Lafont. And uh, he scored a penalty as well uh, with consummate ease, fair to say. But um, yeah, I thought Leon looked pretty good without ever having to get out of third gear. Would that be fair? Yeah, I think so. And I think what, what you said, they just know they have to keep winning. In a sense, what happens to the teams above them is not as relevant because um, people can drop points and they'll still be fourth. Yeah. Um, so their job is to keep winning games and try to pick one of them off. Mm. Um, and that means uh, coming up this weekend... Um, 
is the the big one where Lyon host Lille, and that yeah. obviously is going to be the key game of the weekend. I think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like you say, in a sense, they don't have to over. There's not the likelihood that they will overthink things. They just have to think. Yeah. They just have to. They just have to keep winning and not get caught up in any other potential, potential, yeah. uh, you know, complications or anything. So, you know, we will see what happens. It's all about uh, doing a Spurs for Leon, putting the pressure on. Well, when they have that, that <laughs> they have that slightly shaky run. Yeah, they came through that to be fair. Yeah, they bounce back, and I think that's what you say about you know they look they look much more leony than they have done at uh, times in the uh, in the season, which is obviously reassuring for their for their fans, and hopefully they'll keep making it a uh, uh, an interesting run. In we've got you know three points between the top four, so you know yeah oh yeah let's keep a forward Harris race. Looks forward to it. Yeah 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 absolutely. And uh, yeah, as as for um, speaking of sort of a club that have put on the pressure, uh, and, and when you say you know clubs that just need to keep winning, uh, one club that has just continued to keep winning, and even in games where you look at them and you go, I'm, I'm not sure that they can do it this week. Monaco, we'll come on to Bordeaux in a second. Monaco, though, they just keep grind. They keep grinding out wins. Kevin's back. What a goal. He hasn't scored for like three games in a row. I was like, oh my God, what's happened? Yeah. Oh, oh, Kevin Volland is back with the opener, uh, followed up by Martins and Jovetic. Yeah, all good goals, to be fair. Especially that that, that Volland goal for me. It's just that first touch to take him around the defender, cut back inside. And it was one of those goals where you knew exactly what he was going to do. But, but you can't stop, you can't it. stop it. Yeah, yeah. it was that is the iron robin of, of cutting inside. Well, I think the the thing is, you can say, oh, they beat Bordeaux three 0 It was a routine win, but it's it's never routine with Monaco. They actually look like they're enjoying themselves. Yeah, and it's fun, even when you might say the scoreline's fairly perfunctory, but you know, there's still still a sense of jeopardy. It's not that they might lose. It's how what's going to happen it's they're a really fun team to watch and i am uh hoping uh in all of this that um they keep going because their run of form is amazing i mean it, you're thinking it's got to break at some point but we all know in the past that there have been runs of form that continue longer than you'd expect them to so Nice. Only two points off the top. What can they do if Lille and Leon are going to beat each other up this weekend? Exactly. You know, it's yeah. all possible. Albeit PSG are playing Mets. Yeah, but but and Monaco are playing Angers. Angers away, so. who've just been taken apart by by Rennes with ease. You know, Angers are on the beach, and we've discussed Moulin sort of moving on. It feels like they're sort of just counting down the end of the season. You yeah. you would expect Monaco to go there and win. And and the one thing that I've noticed as well from the table is that goal difference. They've cut that big time. I mean, another three nil. So it's not only a clean sheet, but three goals. They're plus thirty two now, which yeah. is one behind Leon, two behind Leon. Okay, PSG are off in the distance, but this title race might even come down to that. And then they are, and they were miles back on goal difference just four or five weeks ago. And now it's a few big wins and they're right up there. So, I mean, yep. defensively, they are tightening up. Um, that said, they didn't have 
to dispatch too much. And what did you make of Lauren Koscielny's comments? Obviously, I'm still a big fan, and despite everything that how it ended with Arsenal, I still thought he was a a proper footballer. Footballer, um, and he actually came off this game injured. And I hope hope he's okay with his history of Achilles problems, but. He essentially called out his teammates in, in midweek and said there was a lack of fight, there was a lack of belief. Um, that, that and it's not the first time he's done that. No, and it wasn't just you know Ben Arthur. It was uh, it was the whole squad, and he was saying you know that there's just a lack of character, which is quite a big thing for not only an experienced player to come out with, but a captain of a club to come out with. Um, and he and he was proved right because Bordeaux just you know they just limped away from this game, and there was just never a period. Yeah, Monaco were great, don't get me wrong. But there was never a period in this time where you genuinely thought, oh, Monaco are under pressure here. And I thought it was a game they they could could potentially cause Monaco problems in. And they fell away. They lost again. That's three straight defeats. Uh, now, what, they conceded three? They've conceded three, I think, in is it three of their last four games. In fact, no, they conceded three in the last four and four in the other one. So it, yeah, it's not great. And all of a sudden, they're looking over their shoulder, albeit with a four-point cushion. And I think, you know, the, the situation is they're not scoring. So given yeah. that Koscielny is a defender who has been having to deal with all of this stuff, I think he's just lost his patience with them. Because mm. clearly he's not even pretending to try to be diplomatic. I think Jez has mentioned before some of the things going on behind the scenes at Bordeaux are a little bit awkward. I mean, I can't, he's off in the summer. I can't see him being able to stay after some of the things he said. No. Now, um, I imagine that if he is still functioning in all ankle departments, he'll still have suitors. Oh, yeah, I think he'll go back a, to Lorient. A lot of the, maybe a lot of the rest of that Bordeaux uh, squad maybe don't so much. So it's a it's a very tricky situation, and it just seems to be getting snarly and bitchy and worse, yeah. which is never a good look. So you'd think they're safe, but if they keep on just shipping large quantities of goals and not managing to score anything, then you know things could still potentially get quite awkward for them. Yeah, Even the size of the club, the history, everything. There's a lot of Bordeaux fans who are very, very pissed off. And especially, guess who their next opponents are this upcoming weekend? They are away at Lorient. So you know, suddenly a win, a win in that game for Lemelo, and you're looking at a one point gap. You know that that would take Lorient to 35, and Bordeaux would be 36. And, and depending on how Strasbourg and Brest get on, even those two are dragged in a little bit. So, yeah, Bordeaux have got to be really careful. And their goal difference isn't particularly great either, minus 13. So, and, and when you consider if, if Lorient were to win that game, they would chip into that a bit further. Uh, so I'm not not counting my chickens. You know, Lorient have to learn how to defend as well. But uh, all of a sudden, it does look a little bit like Bordeaux. I mean... Uh, I think even a draw at the Moustoir is, is not a great result for Bordeaux. I think I think they need to go there and try and win, personally, and I hope they don't. But, but uh, as you say, a club of that his, that history and, and that tradition, and you know, let's not forget a big club in Europe, which we'll come on to, um, it's quite a sad state of affairs where they are at the moment, and you, you guess a lot of change will happen over the summer. So certainly one to keep an eye on. So that's where we are in terms of kind of down the bottom. I'm not going to count St Etienne as, as part of the bottom, so to speak. I think they're probably 
away and clear now. So we'll uh, we'll, we'll move up the table slightly and, and bring it back to the title race. So we've we've covered Monaco, we've covered Lyon. Next up is is Lille, and uh, obviously I'm sure you would have watched as did I the Friday night game with Montpellier. This was um, this is actually quite a watchable game. I thought it was quite enjoyable uh, from the neutral's perspective, and the best thing to happen really was. Andy Delore coming up with a delicious diving header to put the away side in front from, a, of course, a Gaetan Labour cross. Those two are just, I'm convinced they just go home together and, and have a lovely party with Teji Savanier and they all lived in the same house. But um, yeah, really good, really good opener. Equalised late on by Arajo, who'd come on as a sub. I think Gautier had literally thrown everybody on by then. That, but, uh, that was a lovely goal, though. That was one of Oh, the yeah. Was... The technique, the outside mm. of the foot as well. But yeah. Um, but nevertheless, a point at home for Leduge is it's not, it's kind of not, I, I want to say it's not enough. I don't mean that in a, you know, a point at no, home to a I decent know. side, but given the other results, it, it does feel like a, a massive worrying, concerning result when you draw at home 1-1 to a team that, you know, Montpellier on the edge of European qualification, but very much outsiders. Um, I think, yeah. Yeah, seeing this, I mean, they're, they've got 70 points now, so they're one above PSG and if they had got those extra two that would have been much more comfortable but I think what you saw there was maybe like you say Gaultier can he was throwing everything at it he can do that kind of thing but here he recovered a point rather than winning three and when you look at what was happening at the Montpellier side of things. So we've got Mendes is hurt and may have finished his season. Yeah, Hilton then came on. Hilton was limping pretty quickly afterwards. And I know we've discussed this before, much as I love him, it's I think this is too, too, too much. He's in his 40s, yeah. <laughs> he, no, but he he's always looked, you know, he worked really hard and he always looks like he's on it. Now he just looks knackered. And I think they're not playing him every game deliberately, but he is still having to do, I think, more than he can. Um, yeah. And he has lost a couple of people for a couple of goals yeah. um, so far, which, you know, you say, okay, that happens to every defender, but it doesn't normally happen to Vitorina Hilton. So yeah. I think this might be the swan song, which would be, I mean, if they got into Europe, he probably would stick around for another another season just because he 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 loves to play and he wants to do it but i'm not sure if that's a the great idea so in a sense i think Lille are probably uh extremely relieved that they got a point but probably kicking themselves that they only got a point because it was a it, they made very heavy weather of it I think, mm. yeah. um, in that situation. And if they're facing Lyon this weekend, then they've got another really, really big game uh, that they have to have to deal with there. Mm. And maybe they're just going to hope that um, a, uh, you know, the, the Coupe de France games take something out of the rest of the uh, uh, of, of the top four to uh, to make it a bit easier for them. But it's yeah it's a, a result they really really didn't want yeah I, th I think the one thing that may benefit them against Leon is that they're the away side so they they will be able to play the Gaultier way and they'll be able to sort of 
essentially say to Leon, okay, come on, what have you got? And that will benefit some of their speedy attackers and potentially give them that opportunity to defend deep and, and then hit them on the counter. But yeah, they, they, they just, I think, and I know we said they looked tired a few weeks ago. They had that burst of energy and they look great again. But my slight concern with Lille, uh, with Leon, with Lille is, is that goal output again. Um, that it feels like sort of Jonathan David obviously got that injury, he's been injured. Where his output has gone down, Araujo that's his first goal since December, I think it was. And Burak Yilmaz, who fair play, has been brilliant this season, but he missed a really good chance at nil nil. And I feel like the game probably would have changed if that had gone in, shooting across yeah. Menon and uh, shooting across um. Omlin, sorry, and, and really probably should have scored. Omlin was good, in fairness. He made a couple of very good saves late on, but I never really felt like Leal properly did enough in, in this game, and it, it did feel like a missed opportunity. But you just wouldn't put it past them to go to Leon and, and get the win. So from that perspective, I guess we'll have to wait and see. And, and if there is a winner between those two, you'd almost feel like whoever wins puts the other one back out of contention again for, for yeah. the time being. So... That will be uh, one to keep an eye on. Um, that brings us nicely on to, to PSG St Etienne as the last game of the weekend, and probably save the best for last because this was this was all this kinds was of fun. another five goals for Illa, wasn't it? So mm. last fifteen in particular were great because it wasn't Ooh, it, brilliant it in the first was half. The entire last fifteen, basically everything up until then, it was actually quite dull, and then all of a sudden it was like somebody clicked a switch. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, Buanga got the opener for Saint-Etienne and everybody's going, oh, wow, maybe they have pulled themselves together. Mm, and then Mbappe scored a, a minute later. Now, we should say that PSG had a lot of people missing, including Navas, yeah, including uh, Letelier, who's one of the backup keepers. So Rico, Sergio Rico was in goal with um, an 18-year-old Italian called Denis Franchi. On yeah. the bench, who'd just kind of been dragged out of I, I, a back the nursery or something to <laughs> to to be the backup goalkeeper because they didn't have anybody else. When you see the number fifty on the back of somebody's shirt, you know something's gone horribly wrong. Yeah. So they were missing a lot of people either hurt or on the naughty step, which were Neymar, Gay, and Paredes, I think. So mm. it was a very weakened team, and I think. Um, my concern was that there are quite a few teams in this league that could take advantage of a weakened PSG. I wasn't convinced that Saint-Etienne were going to be one of them. Um, mm. But then, you know, they open the scoring and Mbappe levels it almost immediately. Then he gets the penalty to put them 2-1 up. Then Hamouma levels it in the 92nd minute. Maria then hits the post, and it was utter chaos. I mean, just the injury time was was hilarious. And then Icardi scored in the ninety sixth minute. Yeah, and cracking header. Oh, I mean, it was. But you've again, you've got to feel for South at the end there. They really thought if we've got an equaliser in the ninety second minute, we've got a point. Mm. And then um, Etienne Green again doing a, a good job with, I think. They hit the woodwork several times yeah. um, in in injury time, but he was trying to keep things under control. But then Icardi got it right at the death, and so again, this is going to be PSG heaving a sigh of relief, I think, or they would have been, uh, you know, down there um, level with Leon and Monaco in second place. So really, a really 
like you say, a fun last 15 minutes. I'm not sure the beginning bit was that brilliant, no. but um, it was a really, a really important game that they did keep going right to the end because it would have been very easy to chuck your hands up after Homuma's equaliser and just say, right, fine, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it spurred them on to even more kind of crazy attacking moves and it came off. Yeah, and, and a couple of observations from this game for me is that Sergio Rico is simply not good enough and they need to find a proper backup goalkeeper. I don't know, someone like, uh, oh, I don't know, Alfonso Ariola, for example. Um, but yeah, uh, Sergio Rico, I thought that was really bad goalkeeping for the equaliser. Yes, it was a stretch to make the save, but he packs it straight into into Amira's path for the late leveller. And on another day, it, especially in the Champions League, that costs you potentially a trophy or a semi-final place like it was just really bad but the the other thing that that really struck me about this was the the celebrations particularly from Mbappe and Icardi for the winner that was the first time and I I don't want to be too critical because you know only only PSG and their players know what goes on in the dressing room but there was a real togetherness I felt about that those celebrations and and I tweeted earlier on, like, imagine thinking Kylian Mbappe doesn't enjoy playing in Liga. There was a real expression of, of joy about, uh, I think he shouts to the camera, you know, we are Paris as, as he scores. Like, there's a lot of talk about him moving on and whatnot, and I'm sure it will happen at some point. But there's also quite a bit of talk about him and Neymar staying. And if they yeah. can keep those two and they can keep this, whether it's because Pochettino has joined the dressing room or whatever it is, there was that real togetherness and that real desire to keep going um, in a title race, let's not forget they're still second favourites in right now. So I just thought that stood out and bodes well in the Champions League if there is such a thing anymore. Who knows? Uh, for moving forward, so well, yeah. yeah. And I think if if we're going to move on next to the Champions League, I think we've seen that over those two legs as well. Yes. Um, well, let's let's talk about it now. I mean, yeah, yeah they they got the. They got through basically. They lost the second leg to Bayern Munich one nil. Of course, you promoting with the, with the winner, but that there was, was just narrative. Oh, wasn't it? All over the place. But it? there was so much, wasn't there, to that game? I mean, Neymar on the night was was sensational. Uh, I thought Di Maria was was excellent. Navas once and, again. And Mbappe forcing so yeah. many, um, so many breaks. I saw. Um, our friend Misha Kwonga saying, I have never seen a team have as many clear runs on goal as PSG within 90 minutes and still not score. Sure, yeah. They were behind on shots as well. It just could have been by this machine and PSG Mbappe was running and running and oh, it was particularly at half time. Obviously, Bayern have scored. Mbappe's gone just wide. Neymar's hit the post. Neymar's hit the bar. And you're thinking, right, what's going to happen next? And then what happened next was Neymar missed an open goal and Bayern really started hitting their stride. And you had to be very worried about the setup that they had. I mean, Navas, again, was was good. But I saw this from uh, Tom Williams. Um, for the last half hour after... Oh, who went off? Um... I can't remember who went on. Uh, PSG's back four for the last half an hour. Second choice right back, fourth choice defensive midfielder, Fresno yeah. Kimbembe, fourth choice left back. And yeah. it's like, 
Oof. bare bones. Yeah. I they, but it sounds stupid. But whenever I see Danilo is playing in defence, I do get a little bit nervous, and I have got no skin in this game at all. But PSG were defending like a dog in a park um, for the last half an hour or so. It was they were lucky, uh, perhaps, to hold on, but also. How unlucky not to score with the um, you know the amount of uh, sort of forward momentum they had. So I thought it was a really great set of games. The XG is just bizarre. Uh, Kylian Mbappe was offside six times in the match. That's a Champions League record this season, I think. Yeah. Uh, and it was just he was clearly so focused on having those runs because this is the best chance we've got that he was caught because he plays you know it's a hairline um, often that that they have there so it was it was an exhausting set of games but the fact that they've they've got one back on Bayern into the semi-final it's I think a really impressive statement particularly given look at some of the absences they had to deal with through that. And it's very easy to say, oh, bare bones, billionaires, whatever. But if you are missing like half a dozen of your best buyers, then that's going to affect anybody, however much money they've got. So I think uh, you know what they what they've done over the past two games is interesting. And obviously they've got another one on Wednesday, uh, which you Got to think, what on earth are they going to... Are the kids going to play that? Because you reckon the kids will probably beat Angers easily. And then we go for the league game. You know, it's there's a lot. There's a lot going on right now. Um, And it's all piling up. So, you know... And are they really going to care about Group de France if it doesn't go their way? Are they really, for one season, if it was the mean Champions League... You know, final yeah. or win. I, the Champions League has always been their main thing. Yeah. But they are used to doing the domestic treble. And well, one of those competitions just doesn't exist anymore. So if they didn't win anything domestically, oh, that would be, I yeah, that, that, that would, would be, be a nightmare. So pretty catastrophic. Yeah. It, it will be an interesting, an interesting uh, next Week. couple of weeks, particularly mm. for them. Yeah, and they, of course, have Manchester City in the semi-final, the battle of the, the billionaire clubs, etc., and so on, the rhetoric that goes with that. But, yeah, I, 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 the one thing I will say is I think they'll get chances against Guardiola City. That it's, I think that it could, yes. again, come down to a who outshoots who. Um, yeah, because but, I'm not sure the PSG's defence are going no. to be able to cope with an on-song Manchester City, which they aren't always. No. So... Is no. this going to come down to is Verratti fit? Well, that's key. Is Marquinhos yeah. playing? The usual, Those are basically. going to be the kind of things that we have to talk about because we yeah. saw Kim Pembe, oh, sorry, we saw Mbappe and Neymar in the second leg of the quarterfinal not hit their mark. Yeah. We know it can happen and it happened to both of them on the same evening which is unusual but that can happen and God only knows what kind of tactical geekery um, Guardiola is coming up with yeah. to uh, try to shut down various elements of this side. 
I mean, he could uh-huh. literally play Edison up front. You just never know with Cordier. But yeah, and that's uh, it's, it's definitely gonna. I, I I do I fancy them over two legs. I feel like it could be their year, quote unquote. But it's never easy, especially in this competition. So um, definitely one to keep an eye on. I, I feel like it's a good segue um, before we go into all of the stuff that's gone on over the last 24 hours to bring in the women here because their women's side uh, caused would it be fair to say a bit well, of a story beating Leon in well, the women's Champions League? this is the thing so um, OL won the first leg of um, the Women's Champions League called final 1-0 which I felt was against the run of play um, it was Wendy Renard who scored it um, and then PSG won the second leg away, uh, 2-1, making it 2-2 an aggregate um, that they go through on the away goals, similar to PSG beating Bayern, 3-3, go through on the away goals. Um, and guttingly, after Owe went ahead to Macario, um, Grace Gioro got uh, the equaliser for PSG, and then it was a Renard own goal. Yeah, all uh, for the winner, which obviously she's more used to scoring at the other end. Um, so I've seen a lot of people saying Leon have crashed out of the Champions League. Leon have been dumped out of the Champions League. Like, <laughs> yes, I know Leon have won five on the spin, but PSG are currently top of the league by four points. Yeah, you know they are not a. They are not an underdog any longer. They've made it to the final um, twice in the past couple of years as well. And it is looking like, uh, depending whether they manage to play the catch-up games, which are causing complete chaos in Divan, um, PSG might well win the league, which will stop Lyon's 12-season run or whatever it is. Um and arguably, that would be a bigger achievement than knocking them out of the, the Champions League because Lyon have run Divan for so long. Yeah. Um, and that I wrote back in 2011-2012 when, obviously, PSG were taken over by QSI, that they had started putting money into the women's team as well because they'd seen, in a sense, you get more bang for your buck. The return on investment is way easier to get. And they have been the second team in France since then, basically. Mm. Apart from uh, one year, I think, when, when Montpellier managed to get into the uh, Champions League instead. Because you only get two Champions League seats. And PSG have been working towards this. And particularly when they got to the final um, a couple of times, you could see that... Um, uh, Al Khalifi was, you know, made a big show, made a big point of turning up and watching their games while the men were being knocked out at the quarterfinal stage repeatedly. So I think this means a lot to them as well. And the idea that Lyon going out is a shock is, of course, real, but it's not that big a shock given who they were playing, who are another very, very impressive team. So PSG will be playing Barcelona. Uh, next weekend, so I have got history. Very much looking forward to uh, to that because Barcelona have got a really really good team. Yeah, that over the past couple of years has really come on leaps and bounds. And on the other semi final side, Bayern versus Chelsea. 
So yeah. I think this this will be uh, a very, very interesting competition. One thing I'd also mention is, while we're on women's football, is that France had another friendly. After they beat England, they were still light on Lyon players. And it showed this time they lost 2-0 to the USA, which is entirely not uh, shameful in any way, given that the USA are the best team in the world and France were missing a lot of people. But it was pretty functional. Rapineau and Morgan scored within the first 20 minutes and then it was just that. So I think it was interesting to see that a different kind of France could be England, um, but they are still not going to uh, you know, be able to compete with teams like the US unless everybody's there and everybody's firing. So another yeah. interesting thing to, to learn. Yeah, US still very much out in front, aren't they, in terms of the, the women's oh, game? Yeah. But uh, yeah, nevertheless, uh, valuable experience, etc., and so on. We, um, we should talk about we're not going to go too deep down the rabbit hole here, but we would be remiss if we didn't mention the events of of late, well, sort of mid-afternoon Sunday into late Sunday and going on time of recording into Monday. Uh, and what I speak of, of course, is, is the European Super League, which plans have been unveiled, statements made, uh, basic logos made in paint have been unveiled. Uh, etc and so on but the, the main I guess the main story from a French perspective is the fact that there are no representatives from France in this initial shake-up we say initial yes. because things can change yeah. yes um, the first question I'd have for you is the, the obvious one is PSG because of the money my my simple question to you is who would be the others because if you look at it statistically and logically and historically there's only one name for me that, that jumps off the page, and that's Marseille. Yeah. And can you imagine Marseille going up against these superpowers right now? It would be a bloodbath. Um, well, well, but is is that the point? I mean, it's well, yeah. there. I I was seeing a very interesting converse. A couple of people mentioned this, including Big Boss Andrew Gibney. The reason that PSG aren't in the initial group is because they might be waiting to see how it pans out yeah. and then they'll step in because I don't think anybody, the rest of this kind of capitalist cash cow would not refuse them if yeah. they said, actually, we'd like to join in. Yeah. You know, this They're is all about well. branding. It's all about globalization. It's all about, you know, marketing and whatever. Nobody's yeah. gonna them PSG down. They have a, they have a Nivea sponsorship for heaven's sake. Yeah. So that was one thing. And another interesting thing I saw was, I think, from Mike Haley and Mike Goodman, um, talking about the ones who've gone in on this are rich guys, right? The, the owners are rich guys. If they are, in a sense, the sovereign wealth funds, who are nations, don't have to get involved this early because they've already got a shitload of money. So they're just going to wait it out and see what happens and then maybe join in. Mm. So the idea that Qatar Abu Dhabi are waiting to see how this goes. Now, as we've seen throughout most of the day, it's not going very well, but that doesn't mean it won't still happen. And some of the things that are being said, like, who's that bloke who's in charge of UEFA who sounds like a blog thinner? 
Oh, this is um, the Russian do seferin, is it? Seferin, that's seferin? it. Not yeah. warfarin, seferin. Yeah. He's saying, oh, we'd ban any players from taking part in national competition. Now, well, that just won't happen. I mean, legally speaking, that's a nightmare. But if UEFA say, UEFA can only ban players from their countries, you'd end up having, if FIFA doesn't follow this, which FIFA won't do, um, FIFA at the World Cup, you'd have the European teams would be uh, completely gutted would be gutted by not having many of their best players, which would be a problem nobody else would have. And UEFA don't want European teams to look bad in the World Cup because then they'll lose, they'll lose slots, they'll lose mm. places, they'll lose money and kudos. And when you think about if this did happen and both UEFA and FIFA said we will ban players who play in the Super League from representing their country, first you're going to get some players saying, well, fuck that for game of soldiers because I am proud to play for my country. Mm. But you're also going to get every every federation in the world and every confederation screaming about it. Because yeah. I was looking at this, you think about it, if that happened, the Gabonese Football Federation would be as pissed off as the French Football Federation. Yeah, of course, I, yeah. And... When you think about how FIFA has been working with CAF over some time, the CAF, you look at, obviously, uh, the South American teams, but there's a lot of African uh, nationals represented in these clubs we're talking about. And yeah. they often, uh, we're talking about, like, Obama Yang for Gabon, he's the best player in the team. Yeah. Even if they, it doesn't matter if you lose 10 or one player, if that one player is your game changer, there's just no way, legally speaking, that they can have that ban. It's an empty threat, and the founding clubs clearly know that. This mm. is, it's no threat at all. It's somebody chucking his toys out of his pram. And I was thinking possibly a way to do it would be. Who's going to televise this? Right? Mm. You could say UEFA, FIFA, individual league could say, well, if you bid for these guys, you don't get our rights. And then I, one of my friends, Ali Fogg, said, well, they're going to go with Amazon, aren't they? And it turns yeah. out they're going with Amazon, Facebook, and Disney have all been so far. And it's like, ah, oh, fucking yeah. hell, that's, that's, a, that's a lot of shit shithousery in one place, isn't it? Yes. So, yeah, uh, I... it sounds like they're gonna do it, and it just seems so counterproductive. Yeah, but I mean, they must have done the done the sums. It's it's a confusing one to me because speaking obviously as a fan of of a, an English club who who has been uh, very open in, albeit a, a a very crass statement that appeared on the Twitter account. Uh, I speak of Arsenal, of course, last night. Um, no names of anyone was attached to it. It was a very generic statement and even managed to quote the Glazers of all people mm. at Manchester United as a reference point, which makes you feel a little bit sick. Um, Sky Sports have gone very big on it in the UK, which I find somewhat ironic, given the fact that they were the ones trying to charge 15 quid for Burnley versus West Brom a few weeks ago. And so I think that's both, a little... you know, the whole Premier League thing. Yeah, exactly. But I, I personally I didn't sit... think the leopards would eat my face. No, <laughs> who'd so... have thought? 
I personally speaking, from from somebody who supports a club, you know, it, within this mix, I'm, I'm pretty embarrassed about how it's come out. I think it's pretty bad taste given the fact that I think the word opportunity has been used amongst the COVID situation, which I think is really crass. But that said, um, I don't think it'll happen. I, I, I well, just think this is... Well, I, I don't, don't get it wrong, the I, Super League will happen one day. But I just think this is a leverage for money. This is this is yeah. just their way of they trying have, to get you over to And we've already seen what the new proposals for the Champions League will be. But I think this yeah. this will not. I think I'm hoping you're right that it won't happen. But it won't not happen because of football. It w- it will not happen because governments are going to get involved. This is yeah. This is the now. Big thing, I mean, we've all we all have our opinion on Boris Johnson and his efficiency, but you know, where you've got Macron saying, "Oh, this is going to happen," you've got the the Bundesliga clubs saying, "We're against this." I mean, Italian politics is what it is, but yeah. there is this is going to take like the. The European Court of Justice might get involved. I mean, that's how ludicrous the situation is. And the athletic contracts of the players who might say, yeah, well, we're I not going to do this. The thing is, if, you know, there's one thing to say that the law would probably prevent the threat I've talked about of banning players from representing their country. Mm. But there's a lot of competition law and stuff in the EU. Yeah. Um, now, the thing is that football has usually got over that in the past. Uh, things like having a transfer window, for example, is um, contrary to most uh, sort of capitalist corporate um, standards. But because everybody agreed, including UEFA, that was fine. Mm. If they're going to have a situation where UEFA are fucking furious and a lot of other clubs are going to be furious and the leagues are furious, then possibly they're not going to get the same amount of wiggle room as they have had to get through things like transfer windows and financial fair play and all of this kind of stuff, which is, you know, arguably contrary to the normal way in which corporations are run. Mm. So I think it's... I was just interested why it happened now. Well, yeah, that's that's it's a whole other kettle of fish, isn't it? Well, this seems just a very odd time. I mean, the I was listening to the Football Ramble earlier, and their uh, their edition today is fabulous. If you haven't listened to that, do listen to that as well. One of them pointing out that it, it broke at eleven o'clock in the evening, which seems weird, but that was actually kind of you know lunchtime in Boston, so yeah, it makes slightly more sense. Um, so all of this, but. Just why now, when we're heading towards the business end of pretty much every competition, are you going to chuck a match into a lake of petrol and go... And get over that, guys, yeah. I I appreciate if they were going to start this in August, they need a little bit of a run-up, including sorting out the contracts for the the televised rights. But Mm. it's just like, why? Well, my my cynical hat going on here i presume uh, there was a leak about to come i i think i think yeah i think a leak but i also think uh and so i can i don't know if this would be the same in europe but certainly with the english game what is very fast on the horizon in terms of may about to happen to the english game fans are coming back 
Mm. Albeit small numbers initially, but fans are coming back. Can you imagine the protests, the banners, the social media videos, you know, the boycotts of games, the chants during games, you know, we want our club back to oh, so stuff. why didn't they leave it till the end of the season? Well, because because you've still got to have a voice, haven't you? you still, if you've got you you're gonna have you're gonna see now and we we record on the day that Liverpool play Leeds tonight and I think it's oh the first that's good I imagine there's a plane revving up right now well this is it I think and Jurgen Klopp has been very outspoken about his desire to never be part of this and he's going to be one of the first managers so there's just enough time for managers to be quizzed about it and owners to get their story straight and fans not to be in the ground there's just enough time for all of that to go under the radar before it becomes a smouldering mess even further. But, but and if anybody thought that this is going to go away quickly, then oh, no, no, these people are clearly not idiots. No. Be I not mean, amoral dickheads, maybe, but they're not idiots. No. And ultimately, business will come first. It's not about the supporters. It's not about the, the history of these clubs. It's, it's not nothing to do with, really, anything to do with football. It's about money. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to. And, and ultimately, that's, that's and how that's the Premier League came. The I mean, saddest you know. thing, isn't it? I mean, we've had, obviously, you can say for years, when the Premier League was set up, when, you know, sovereign wealth funds started buying football clubs, when all of this happened, you could say, yeah, maybe we should step away. It's all about the money. It's not about the sport. But there was always still that thing left, which mm. was... But it is. It is still the place we go. It is still the game we watch. It is still the players we identify with. Yeah. This strikes me as being some people who don't understand that taking that step too far and assuming it will still be fine. And it's soulless, isn't it? Maybe it will be. Mm. Maybe the legacy fans can be uh, <laughs> outbought <that> <laughs> by, by the overseas markets. But yeah, I think this is too far yeah and they've assumed that they could keep pushing and it would all be all right and mm. it turns out there might just be a thin red line after all so. yeah we, we, we will wait with bated breath as i say as we speak at time of recording it when i say it doesn't affect the french clubs of course it, it affects all of course clubs it at does all they're levels, all watching yeah but it but at the same time right now none of them are involved so i guess we just have to wait and see until that changes but uh yeah, it's it's certainly divided football, and and it and it will certainly affect the the national team if, as you said, a lot of red tape is is cut away, which I suspect it won't be. But yeah, I I mean, I, uh, I cannot see that happening. Imagine but, having a breakaway international tournament. You could have like like well, France. This could be this could be as monumental as the you know Osman? association. No association football and rugby. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, two codes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, yeah. we we'd be effectively talking about entirely different codes. Mm. Yeah, and then they could do whatever they want. You know, yeah, last minute multi ball, donkey yeah. on the pitch. Yeah, and bigger goals, <laughs> bigger goals, VAR even. Who'd have thought? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's yeah, it's definitely run that one that will run and run and. As I say, whilst it you know it's not necessarily uh, something we wanted to go into too much depth, I think we've we've more than done enough of it. But um, yeah, it I, is, I it feel is, better. Uh, I don't know about you. I feel like I've ranted. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm doing it, and I feel better for that. I'm doing a podcast on it with a couple of buddies on on Thursday, so um, it's a good way to to start off the argument. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, 
it's a messy old situation that is only going to get messier <laughs> and you know we just have to sit back and watch the house burn really don't we but yeah. um at least we've got football to enjoy so uh let's quickly have a look before we Cook sign off at the weekend ahead yes in fact, and tuesday and wednesday you want to run us down the list of those uh, yeah so there's a piece up on the website from john mainland who's been uh, keeping up with whatever's happening when and where um about the uh, last round so we have two fourth tier teams still in it one yeah. of whom rumier valier is playing to lose who are league deux so mm-hmm. they might stand a decent chance and the other one is uh canyon roussillon uh, who the ones that put uh who was it leon yeah, well, yes. Oh, Marseille. No, Marseille. Marseille, Marseille. Yeah. Sorry, Leon is still in it. Apologies. Yep. Uh, they're playing Montpellier, who do have a habit of fucking things up against lower league opposition in the cup. So mm-hmm. Tuesday could be interesting. And on Wednesday, we've got two Oligans, at least theoretically, um, matchups. PSG playing Angers in the early game and then Lyon-Monaco which should be an absolutely cracking match if they both take it seriously are the last one. Um, that's at uh, nine o'clock. Ten past nine, my time. Yes. Eight, your time? Yeah. yeah. So that's definitely the one I'd be looking out for although I of course will be watching all of them and cheering for at least one of the fourth tier sides to get through. Yeah, I think we'd all probably, I think we'd all probably like to see one of the the smaller clubs get through. So yeah, that certainly will will be no different uh, this end. Uh, that's the midweek games, and then we head into a busy program of league out of the weekend. We have kind of mentioned a couple of the fixtures, but just to run down them in full, we've got the Friday night game. Uh, Rams against Marseille. On paper, you look at it and go, it's a bit meh. But when you actually look at it, Rams could probably do with maybe one more win, if not certainly a point, just to be 100% sure. And it'll be interesting to see if Marseille can continue their rebuild. So I think there's enough in that to make that watchable. I mean, I'd watch it anyway, you know me, but hey-ho. Then we move on to the Saturday fixtures, just the two of them, St Etienne against Brest again. I'm saying no. I'll probably have it on uh, just because I generally do. But um, yeah, I, I fancy St Etienne probably get a win there and secure their 100% safety, I would imagine. Um, and then Jazz will be hiding behind, behind the sofa at 4pm as Mets host PSG. That said, again, tough, tough, um, tough Depending sort of place to PSG go. PSG have got back at that point because frankly, yeah. it's all very confusing. It's all very, it is, yeah. But I, yeah, I do fancy that one. The Mets are in poor form at the moment, and they, as Jess keeps stressing, have also got quite a lot of injuries. So True. I think that's probably the way we think it's going to go. Yeah, probably you'd expect PSG to, to keep the pressure up and, and win that game, but I guess I guess we will see. Uh, nice Montpellier is the early game on the Sunday. Again, that's got a fairly watchable look about it for me, so I should give that one a look. Oh, I'm hoping, I'm hoping so, but I'm also yeah. hoping it's got a way win written all over Naturally. it, so we'll have to see. Naturally, yeah, I shall be giving that one a look. And then we got the 2pm UK Times, Lons against Nîmes. Uh, Lons obviously looking to cement their European place. 
Bordeaux, uh, Lorient Bordeaux, which of course will have my focus. That one's key at the bottom end. Rennes against Dijon. I believe if Rennes win that, Dijon could go. I believe. I may have worked that out wrong, but I think that's the case. Uh, Don't quote me on that, yeah, but it's probably. certainly close. Uh, Strasbourg Nantes, again, pretty big for both clubs, especially uh, for, for Nantes. Unlikely to be a very good game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could be a, could be a, a bit of a, yeah. a scrappy one. Uh, Angers against Monaco. Again, all eyes on Monaco. And, uh, and of course, the big one at 8pm. Don't miss this. Uh, Leon against Lille promises quite a lot so ultimately now I've said that will deliver nothing of course but uh, no I, I think it's safe to say that will be two clubs going hell for leather because whoever wins that could effectively uh, boot the other one out of the title race again or at least put the pressure on the other ones to keep winning beyond this fixture so yeah I think that will certainly be our game of the weekend which of course we will cover on next week's pod um, but yeah I think I think we've done well though Phil between the two of us to, to cover all of that and more. So uh, hopefully that has been enjoyable to you all. Um, we will, of course, be back next week. Uh, I imagine we'll be back up to uh, our complement of three, uh, barring work commitments, etc. But um, hopefully we will have that for you. But uh, thank you for your time, Phil. Much appreciated for being here as always this evening. Thank you. Good stuff. And uh, obviously, until then, uh, if you can keep sane throughout uh, all the midst of all that's going on in the world of football, uh, maybe just keep it uh, just keep it in, in tune. Keep watching rather than reading. I reckon that's the way forward. But uh, until then, enjoy your Coupe de France midweek action. Enjoy your French football next weekend. And we'll speak to you very soon.